I'm Christopher Hooten. And I am David Rapson. And for the next few minutes, we're living on coffee and flowers. Boxer makes me think of a time when I was walking around New York City at four in the morning and having a conversation about you. Standing at the punch table swallowing punch, can't pay attention to the sound of anyone. A little more stupid, a little more scared, every minute more unprepared. The first line here immediately puts us in like a party scenario, obviously with the punch table. I like the... I've always really loved that line, standing at the punch table, swallowing punch. The re- the repetition really adds something. It's like um, it just makes the action seem kind of alien, like an all sorts sort of robotic. What do you do at the punch table? You swallow punch. Following, I think it speaks to it being a bit like going through the motions. Going through the motions for sure. Actually, um, it, it always reminds me of there's a line in in Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby where when Nick Carraway, I think it's the first time he goes to a Gone to Gatsby's house parties, and he says. Um, I slunk off in the direction of the cocktail table, the only place in the garden where a single man could linger without looking purposeless and alone. Man, that resonates. Yeah, I guess it's like where do you where do you uh, where do you feel comfortable at a party? Well, I I can I can excusably be here. Yeah. No one can say I can't be here. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do as I'm allowed to do, which is stand at this punch table and I'm gonna swallow some punch. I, and what does that speak to? I guess it's like um, a feeling of. Being there, but but so absent-mindedly, like obviously, like not you know, this person f- doesn't feel like they're really at that party. They're not engaging with it. Yeah, it's quite absent-minded. Often, often when you, I think, when you, especially when you first arrive to a party, you're very aware of the room, aren't you? And like, where mm. where is it okay for me to stand? Where they will look normal? Like I'm for sure. That's definitely a moment of anxiety. Is like walking into a party and people turn around and like <laughs> you have to work out in this scenario where am I going to be. Um, I think that it's a quite a universally uh, understood thing to like then make a beeline for wherever the drinks are and be like, this is where I'm going to stand for a little bit. Okay, yeah. I feel a bit comfortable, not only for the the warming comfort that alcohol is going to bring me, but also because socially I don't, I'm not, what's the alternative? Like walking straight over to a person and be like, hello, I am joining the conversation. So yeah, yeah it's that it's that high anxiety moment of like, I'm at a party. Okay, how do I what's get next? comfortable? <laughs> Then we have can't pay attention to the sound of anyone. Obviously, you know, he can't really focus. He can't stay in the moment and socialise. I picture people like talking at him. And yeah. he's like, again, like going robotic, like nodding. Mm-hmm. But With, in his yeah. head, he's not really engaging that conversation at all. Yeah. With a, a little more stupid, a little more scared. My mind's not completely made up on that one, but... um. I kind of th- it makes me think of um, filling a cup with like a punch bowl lady in a way. It's sort of like a little more stupid splash, a little more scared splash. Because I think you know we often drink to ease social anxiety, and I think the narrator here is like trying to numb their sense of feeling stupid or 
scared. That's a nice. That's a nice image. I get that. Like one one scoop if you're feeling stupid. One scoop if you're feeling scared. Yeah, and yeah, I get that. Yeah, that's nice. I, I I love the I love the um the phrasing on the next line about every uh, every minute more unprepared. It's almost one of those like uh, um it's a strange juxtaposition of like um is it, is it a double negative almost like more unprepared. Mm. Less prepared yeah. would be would be a way of saying it, but more yeah. unprepared is almost like ex- accentuating it. How like uh, I don't know, I, I can't really put my finger on what exactly is it about those two words that go together really really nicely. But I guess just it's like more unprepared. It seems more pejorative than less prepared. You know, yeah. it's just like it really it rings it like it happens at home. I guess. Yeah. That song is interesting because it was, I think the the demo was called Anthem, not because I thought it was going to be an anthem, but it was just get a name of your demo something and, and when you create a file. And, um, yeah. and I had this, the basic strumming pattern and you know, the, the, the body of the song and the basic, that Tom part, um, that plays along exactly to the strumming pattern. And it felt like a thing, it felt like it had, it carried, you know, it kind of carried you and I felt like something, it just felt, it did feel like there was something there. And Matt wrote the first part of the song and we, and then again, we didn't know where it could go. And we basically had a version where the drums came in and it kind of, it kind of went on and exploded and there were some other words and it felt a little bit like had we, the kind of sound that maybe would have been on sad songs for dirty lovers or something like it would just get caught in one place and then keep going in that place or something. I made a mistake in my life today. Everything I love gets lost in drawers. I want to start over. I want to be winning way out of sync from the beginning. Love that um, imagery of like everything getting, everything I love gets lost in drawers. I don't love it in her affectionate sense. I love the phrasing of it. It's um, it's one of those lines that's so, again, like really universal about s- frustrating moments you find yourself in. It's kind of, everyone's lost something in a drawer and got really frustrated at how, like, uh, or I have, I'll explain uh, by my emotion rather than paint it on everyone else. The way I feel when you like, you lose something is you feel like a dumb human. You feel like, how am I... I mean, how am I? How have I got to this point in my life and I'm still losing things in drawers? It's, I can't even organise my belongings. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm a, it reminds. There's um, there's a, a Strokes song that has a similar thing. Um, you know, trying trying my luck. Is it trying your trying your luck? It's called. And the chorus is uh, the first line of the chorus is I lost my page again, and again like with Casablanca. When Casablanca says, sings that, I have a similar like. Uh, it cuts me of being like an adult and still not being able to get over these like stupid things that like any. 10 year old should be able to like keep their belongings and not be able to and, and keep their page in a book so there's a frustration in like in like how am I still getting this stuff wrong yeah I guess I I probably focus more on like the the aspect of the you know the love getting lost in the drawers um it kind of reminds me of in the song don't swallow the cap on trouble will find me uh where it says everything I love is on the table everything I love is out to sea mm. this idea of something simultaneously being definitely in front of you and in your immediate vicinity and yet you still can't locator you know i think sometimes we lose love simply because we haven't like been paying attention yeah um it sort of vanishes like amid like the travails of everyday life and that's probably more so the the case than you you tend to lose love because of inaction not because of actions you know it might in 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 films it might be about you know this 
great moment where someone cheats or like they have kind of some manic episode but actually more it's just being careless with love that mm. tends to tends to lose it when it comes to like i want to start over i want to be winning i think winning's like a quite an interesting thing to aspire to it's quite like an old timey term you know he's, he's got a winning personality it's the sort of characteristic that i think your your mum would want you to have to be a to be a winning young man I don't know, I don't see it as much as like a, a that kind of adjective in a pure like a way that a mum might say to a son or, or a daughter. I see it more as just like a, a, a really factual way of like wanting to reverse the feeling you're in. So like, I want to start over and be winning is such a, a pure way of saying like, I've, I've definitely felt that like when you've made, when you're in a situation, you're just like, why can't I be there before the mistake happened? How do I get to that moment? There's a longing for like an unrealistic reset button. It's, a, it's definitely something I've experienced. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And then I think finally the way out of sync from the beginning it almost reminds me of when we were talking about hard to keep track of you falling through the sky. Um, it's just sort of sense of being out of sync with yourself and you kind of don't even really know where you are. And I guess that brings us, you know, back to this because all this stuff is happening, but we've got to remember this is all happening in front of a punch table. All this is going on in his head. I want to hurry home to you, put on a slow, dumb show for you and crack you up. So you can put a blue ribbon on my brain. God, I'm very, very frightening. I'll overdo it. So the song really sort of shows its hand here because up until this point, we don't know that there's someone being missed or what, where it is this person wants to be other than at this party. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we, we find out that there is a person. I don't know if I think about it. As a, as a girlfriend or like a budding a budding new love? I think regardless of who that person is, as you say, this 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 the story becomes clear now. There are there are two situations available. The person has chosen to go to the party, but there's clearly somewhere else available that's in the back of your head. And I think that's a, that's a very uh resonates a lot. Everyone's been at a party but wanted to be somewhere else. Um and and yeah, as it's as it as it transpires, this is home. This is a comfortable place. Like I always think about pyjamas here, you know, like getting out your pyjamas and swapping them for the clothes and the makeup that you put on that evening to um, not necessarily impress, but definitely to socialise and being able to go home and shed all that and turn off the performative nature and just sink into the sofa and just go, oh, I just want to watch something. Uh, I love I love that it's a, it's a slow show. I don't want to watch something that's like great. It's like something that's comfortable. My uh, My personal one would be sitting and watching The Office, The American Office with my wife. So, oh, so you think you think of it as him putting putting on a slow dumb show, as in like putting it on like a, putting on a movie or putting on a TV show? That's that's my interpretation. Really, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. See, I think of I always think of him. He's gonna he's gonna put on a show for her. Oh, really? Yeah, he's gonna <laughs> literally he's gonna he wants to hurry home to her and like he wants to run away from the party and just be goofy and awkward with the person he loves. I guess that um, would that and, would make more sense with crack you up. Yeah, crack you up, and when we get to the with the blue ribbon as well. Um, yeah, I think this is that's the, the blue ribbon's all part of the the dumb show. I think a blue ribbon makes me think of like a dog show um, or something. I have this image of him doing this silly routine and the, this lady laughing and applauding him like a prize dog or something. Mm. I actually um, I was reading an interview with Matt the other day that has a, a, a little window into his his view of uh, 
of ribbons and badges and awards and such. I think it was when uh, Sleep Well Beast had won. Uh, it was like a number one. And uh, an interviewer asked Matt, like, what, what does it mean to win awards? And what is that kind of thing? I have a quote here from Matt. That's, that's a really sweet story about him getting, a, getting an award early on. He says, I remember being at summer camp when I was seven, being so happy to get any kind of ribbon or badge. I just liked the object, the commemoration of something. One night I was in my bunk, homesick and crying all night, so I got taken to the counsellor's cabin. They were all up, playing cards and drinking. Some of the female counsellors were in their pyjamas, which I couldn't believe I was seeing. They were all probably 16 years old, but they seemed like the Rolling Stones to me. They gave me a badge for missing my mum and dad so much. I love that story. And I, I, just, <laughs> I was just reading through uh, Matt interviews and came across that, and I just thought... Um, yeah, when you, when you talk about what does it mean for Matt to receive a ribbon, it's just that sort of like comforting and like... Uh... Yeah, it's it's childish and sort of silly, isn't it? I think I, I was reading that the the idea of like blue ribbons is a symbol of like high quality. It originated with things like passenger liners making the fastest crossings of the Atlantic Ocean. And mm. uh, there was like an order of French knights in the 16th century who were given the blue ribbon. Those are such sort of like grandiose images. So the way the way he uses, them, uses it here is a reward for his little silly kind of like bedroom thing he's got going on it's just it's well I, cute. I guess i guess i mean in a pure sense what is a ribbon it's a sign of approval and what do you what do you get when you come out of that uh party environment where you're trying to uh, impress and trying to be a version of yourself to try and like um be okay in front of other people to come home and have a person who you're very close with just give you that uh recognition and that sign of like you're okay is a very comforting thing stepping out of performance and into comfort and being accepted in a really comfortable environment i guess that's a really like um uh, yeah just a, the only word the only adjective i can really think of is comfortable like he's gone from uncomfortable to comfortable in his mind he thinks that's the case and like right. and, and the significance of it being a slow dumb show i think is that like he's so he thinks that he's gonna be so much more at ease in this environment that he has the confidence to take his time with something even if it's for something silly like cracking a dumb joke mm. and then but i think this is like what makes this song so good and it's such a killer line on the album is obviously the ed the god i'm very very frightening i'll ever do it is like he's just literally painted one of the most romantic images for me you know going home and being just goofy and stupid with mm. this lady and it's so perfect and then even he can't let himself have that he's like he can't. Yeah, he can't even let himself that. It's still on some level. He knows that he'll be self-conscious even in that situation. It's a, it's a step out for sure. Because as a, the, when I was when we were talking about the ribbon and like coming home and being awarded something, it is such a. Um, it's almost like the the awkward and and uh, uncomfortable setup of the song got resolved then, but then snap back into that sort of like um, self critical really being self-critical. I'm very very frightening. I'll ever do it. Um, it's, it's quite self-scathing, even in this moment of like getting home and being okay with who you are, and then and then suddenly not being okay with who you are. Mm. It's quite critical. Yeah, I think maybe as well it comes, it, it ties in with the fact that like there's something very different, but yet no less palpable about a sort of anxiety when you're with one person. So you're at a party and you're with like 50, 100 people, whatever. You're on stage in front of 10,000 people. There's obviously like a kind of fear and a weirdness that comes with that. But then there's something quite intense about being one-on-one -on -one with someone as well, you know, and you feel like you've got to, you've got to put on a sh uh, some kind of show and how are you going to be received? And you've got to show that you're, you don't take yourself too seriously and you're willing to like, so it, I can see, I can see why for this narrator, the idea of being one-on-one -on -one with this person, it also draws anxiety for them, but just a very different kind from being at a party. No, I get that. That makes sense.
for somewhere to stand instead I leaned on the wall, the wall leaned away Can I get a minute and not be nervous And not thinking of my day Looking for somewhere to stand and stay I leaned on the wall and the wall leaned away Can I get a minute of not being nervous And not thinking of my dick? I mean, the, the first line here is obviously just like a beautiful way of putting it, of, of, of again, being awkward wherever you are at a party and not being able to feel comfortable anywhere. The second part, the can I get a minute of not being nervous and not thinking of my dick? Dave, where do you think he's going with that? I guess what he's identifying is that at this party, he experiences one of two things, both of which are uncomfortable. Either one, he's just nervously leaning on this wall and feeling uncomfortable, or the other is, as we mentioned about the performative nature of like getting dressed up and, and like putting on a bit of a try and put on a version of yourself to other people, certainly women getting dressed up at this party are catching his eye. And he hates that as someone who just wants to go home and be with his partner in this more like, um, I don't picture the home situation as like a sexual thing. I pink, picture it as a comfort thing. So I think he really di dislikes the fact that he's he's feeling sexually attracted to these women who are dressed up in a performative way for this party. And that's um, what brought him there in the first place, probably why he ended up there. Beg your pardon? I guess that's probably what, you know, is, is those kind of impulses that probably led him to go to a party in the first place. You think, well, may, maybe so. And, and for some people, at least, that'll resonate. If you're a single person, you do tend to go to places and, you know, check people out, you know, Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think my, that whole, like, and like not not thinking of my dick, not thinking with my dick. I think originally, like, I I imagined it, him, him talking about, actually, about where he wants to go, how about the kind of the slow show bedroom that he wants a minute of not, can I get a minute of not thinking about just climbing in bed with this girl? Can I actually get a minute to maybe enjoy this party and enjoy just hanging out with my friends? I think that was my original reading, but then it's probably changed to um, that. Yeah, that thinking thinking with his dick on some level led to him going to a party instead of staying home. It's like why why is he here in the first place? Why did why did he not just immediately go and, and hang out with this lady? And you know, I guess we've. We've all had that moment, especially as single or just or just starting to enter into a relationship where, um, I don't know, the, 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 the prospect of like sex or romance at a party is like very exciting and you think, ah, oh, something interesting is going to happen tonight. But it just often, more than often than not, it turns out to be false and kind of absurd and you're just stood at the punch table like, what the fuck was I thinking? What did, what, the, what kind of night did I think this was going to be where it was going to be this weird kind of like hedonistic, actually I'm just going to be standing in front of a table trying to get drunk enough that I can not feel awkward and... Wow. And the <laughs> no, that, that totally resonates. Like, I mean, I've been uh, with the same uh, lovely lady for 10 years now. I'm very lucky that... Um, these are very far down feelings, but I can definitely remember when, when I was a younger man and you're single and you do sort of go to these things where other people are going to be there with a sort of weight of expectations, you know, yeah. the whole splashing on a bit of uh, aftershave and like, oh, maybe I'm going to meet someone. And then maybe that level of absurdity when you get there and you're like, what did I expect? Like, Yeah, <laughs> and, and just like, you know, and it's a difficult feeling and it's a lot of, you know, guilt because maybe you were, maybe you were starting to really get close to someone and this is really starting to, develop into something that could be good but in, but instead you chose to you chose to be here and it's that kind of moment of realization of like why the fuck did you let your like dick guide you why did you not just make the sensible option here i think that slow show is a song that people are going to look at differently depending on how they are in their own relationships and where they are uh from their own experiences in parties and i think that's a very valid one it's like a lot of people who are playing the field maybe and going out to try and meet people uh, can definitely definitely uh 
that line will resonate about not thinking with my dick. Like sometimes it's good to just try and be in the moment, like go to the party if you want to go to the party, but don't go with a whole load of expectations of like what it's going to be, you know. My leg is sparkles, my leg is pins. I better get my shit together, better gather my shit in. You could drive a car through my head in five minutes from one side of it to the other. So the, the tingling sensation at the uh, the outset, alcoholic buzz, or do you think this is the kind of being in a panic attack, maybe? I think the latter. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any enjoyment in that sparkles and pins. I think this is the culmination of feeling entirely uncomfortable, resonating in a very physical way. Yeah. You've, you've had panic attacks in your life. Is that a sensation you had experienced? Yeah, definitely. Like um, panic attacks are the most awful physical feelings and sparkles and pins is like definitely the onset. For, for me, I felt like uh, my extremity, if I if I started to get like a, a tingle in my extremities, it would be the, oh no, sinking feeling like uh, that, that something is coming on, um, the, the, the warning sign. So yeah, I think that I don't think this is anything to do with like a, a nice warm welcome buzz of alcohol. I think this is this is the situation that we've we understand this is an uncomfortable situation for this person to be in, but it's it's turning a little bit more sinister now and getting like starting to become overwhelming the kind of awkwardness. Yeah. yeah. I think that I think that one thing to to call out about this character and it definitely links to if, if indeed we are talking about the onset of a panic attack is they're very much in their own heads and that is something that particularly is true of when when uh, a panic attack can come on is if somebody is like really too in their own thoughts and uh, I think in my own experiences of of, um, of having panic attacks you'd be you'd be thinking don't have a panic attack don't have a panic attack don't have a panic attack rather than actually like being in the moment and it turns out um, you know after some self-discovery of, of me getting through that period what I actually learned was that being being more present in the moment and actually engaging your brain in the things around you is a far more successful tactic of getting through that moment I, I used to uh, play with a coin on my fingers or you can use other tactics to do something quite tactile and be in the moment it's the dwelling in the in the headspace that can really affect you and I think that think about this person here that they're at a party and there's another version of this party that sounds like 99% of pop songs it's like I was at a party I had a great time that person is able to sort of turn off this voice in their head and actually try and enjoy what it is around them this person is not doing that this person is really dwelling in a negative place in their head um and that really comes to a head in that line i guess they're trying to when they say i better get my shit together I better gather my shit in but like you said of it being almost a self-fulfilling prophecy if you start thinking ah oh, shit i better get my shit together that's probably more likely to induce the panic attack if anything definitely and i think the the self-critical part of this character is coming is rearing its head again this, this person is not giving themselves a break yeah. You can drive a car through my head in five minutes from one side of it to the other. Sounds like there's just so much going on in that headspace that there's, uh, it just feels such a, a huge place, you know? I'm going to respectfully disagree with you on that one. Oh, yeah? I just, I, that, that makes total sense too, but the phrasing for me, you could drive a car through my head in five minutes. I always think it, it seems like it's set up to make it sound like a short amount of time. Really? Okay, let's we're, explore. So we're getting very like abstract now, so now like <laughs> the lengths of drives from one side of your brain. But so let's put so let's imagine this car over here that drives for five minutes that way, and stops. The distance between those two points is the size of the head. 
It's, yeah. <laughs> how, how big is that head? You're right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't think in any in any way uh, this person is saying like there's not there's nothing going on in my head. It's a small space. I think it's just it's like that. well, is uh, and when he refers to his brain as a buzzing three star hotel, it's a similar kind of vibe. Who described that? That is from. That's a really nice phrase. My head is a buzzing three star hotel. Is that Matt? Yeah. That, okay. Well, that's really nice. Um, I think it's like. There's, yeah, it's a it's a hive of unwanted activity. Yeah. Um. I maybe I would maybe I'll adopt your interpretation. I guess the the reason I th- it immediately struck me as being a, a fast thing was just that he's kind of like a one track mind because all he can think about is this girl. But I guess it works either way, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, do not adopt anything on my basis. <laughs> you, everyone's interpretation of these songs is completely valid on it. But yeah, I've always seen that as like. Um, yeah, particularly as as someone who has had that sort of like inability to get out of your own head, like imagining the physical space of what's going on inside your own brain is is um, well, it's, it's it's well articulated by Matt. It's definitely something that I've been through. Yeah, I love that. That's what I love about that line. It's utterly utterly meaningless, but it feels <laughs> like it means something. That's our other goal. Did I mention that? That's always like a. That's when we. That's when we're like high fiving each other. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. We're not. But there is like, that's part of the, that is part of what we're up to, right? Like that goes back to sort of what I was saying about the music already has so much tone and so much argument that to write a line, I mean, despite the fact that there are these very extroverted lines, I think on the record, the one about unmagnificent fall into the lives of adults being one. Um, there are also a lot of lines that sort of pull their punches or that say something that then could also contain its opposite maybe, or, you know, things like that, that are always, and that isn't us trying to be, uh, obscure or clever. I don't think, I think it's just, again, how do you, how do you sort of capture that, uh, um, something that won't, won't, won't name something so specifically that it's just always going to feel, I think, a bit diminished against the, the sort of magic of the song. Slow show is is wanting to get away from from the social stuff and being uh, at that point like clubs and and after show parties and and you know record release parties and and even New Yorker parties you know um, all that stuff I think we were both we both really really I I really wanted just to be with her and I didn't want to go out and do and, and do all the socializing stuff that was that's one part of like. It's funny being in New York and being in a rock band and all this stuff um, is 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 a I am I do love going to clubs and I love seeing music but I don't and I, I throw I throw big parties and I, I host parties but I don't necessarily ever have fun at a big party like, I, occasionally occasionally you can have the 
courage and you'll meet a girl or there'll, there'll be something or you'll find yourself in a corner and have a great time at a party. But most of the time, I think Corinne and I both, even restaurants, and I think, I think obviously most people would say this too, is just like, it's hard. Parties are hard. You know, they're just stressful. They're just loud. And they're just, you're just so insecure the whole time. And, and both of us are like that. So we found each other and we're like, why the fuck do we have to go to these parties anymore? You know I dreamed about you for 29 years before I saw you. You know I dreamed about you. I missed you for 29 years. So it's interesting that they chose to repurpose an old line here because 29 years being from the song, as ardent national fans will know, and like every national fan is an ardent national fan, um, it's from, yeah, from the song 29 Years and the Nationals, like self-titled debut album. Um, I, I, the, the truth is, I think... I think um, at that point, that that's I felt like that song was a song, and then but there is this kind of outro, this driving stuff that 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 Aaron really liked. I think everybody really liked it, but I was I couldn't I couldn't um, get my head around, and I think Aaron just went and and um, put that in there. Um, you can ask him. I think he or not put it in there. He's like, why don't you just I, why don't you take those lines and try it? And I remember thinking. Um, I think it was the first time Aaron had ever really said anything, uh, uh, proposed any lyric thoughts uh, at all. <laughs> maybe at that time, <laughs> maybe maybe Corinne had broken broken um, open the door a little bit. So, but yeah, but it was really interesting, and I think it was Aaron's to try to do that, and and we did it, and I didn't. It wasn't intended so much to be like a a message or anything like that. It was just like he's like I always love that, and it sucks that that we can't use it. And then it, and it felt like it really applied to the song in a new way. And so it's like, it's like another example of taking the song that, and it just, just reuse it in a different way. It, it, it changes it entirely. So, um, so yeah, that was an Aaron's idea. After that long break in between the first phase of recording and the second, I came back with the idea to just completely eliminate the whole second half of the song that we had already recorded. And I got, I did it when no, nobody else was, up in the studio, just played it to basically like made a break 
at that point where it, it shifts, played the piano part with the melody. And I had already, I'd been doing it and singing those words. And I have no idea how it came into my head to do that, to be, you know. Um, but they, his words came into my head um, from, and then what's interesting is, you know, he, he was totally, Matt was totally game to try it. And I think he sang it once or maybe twice, but it was just one of those moments where it really clicked for everybody. Yeah. I think after thinking about it, I think I choose to interpret this one like quite simply. I think this is our narrator imagining what he would say if he was in that room with her. Like he's, he realizes that he's made this mistake by going to the party and like, if he could just be in that room right now, what would he want to say? And this just seems like some, just a hugely romantic line that he would just want to throw out there. It is a kind of interruption, this, uh, the addition of the 29 years throwback from another national song. It's like this somewhat, it begins uncomfortable. It becomes, it gets mountingly uncomfortable to the point of perhaps like physical, really physical anxiety. And the way in which this song comes in and the, the, the key changes and the piano comes in, and this, these, these lovely lyrics about, you know, 29 years come in. It's like, to make it specifically about Matt, it's like Corinne interrupts and comes in and actually makes it feel okay, you know? Yeah, yeah, I see that. It's like, um, it's like a very welcome change and a very welcome um, being reunited with that person that's going to make it all okay. It's a lovely resolve to the, to the, the problems that we've had in the, in the rest of the song. This this woman has come along and made everything okay. Hmm. So you see the, the narrator is actually directing these words to someone, like mm. they're there. Mm. That's nice. I, yeah, I guess I think, I imagine them, I, I feel like they've grabbed an open bottle of wine and gone out onto like the terrace or the steps outside and they're just having that kind of, looking out of the night sky and just kind of having that insular moment and thinking about how much they actually love this person and how much they really do mean to them. And yeah, and that's kind of a sad image, but I kind of have hope that they will then go and make these, it's such a profound, found idea, this, you know, I've missed you, I didn't, it's core. Cool, it's just, you know, I didn't know I was missing you, but you know, for, I think when 29 Years was written, um, I think Matt was about 29, because it was a while back, that that debut album, and, you know, so he he was he was in that moment saying, you know, I've missed this person my entire life and didn't realise it. And I, I guess another thing I like about the way it's used here is um, the way the kind of, the lines kind of break up. So it's you know I, I dreamed about you, I missed you for for twenty nine years. I, it, it gives it very kind of like you can tell that alcohol is consumed here. <laughs> it's sort of the same. It's the re- repeated line, but the way it's sort they're kind of like drawling and what are you doing? You're drunk. They're kind of slurring it a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just a, a boozy romance to it. I always think that like, so knowing that it came from a previous song and um, it's one that Aaron interjected and decided so that this this is fits lyrically. For me, it's sort of like, rather than continuing the story of the slow show, what this does here when the song changes is it like cuts that off and it puts that scene to one side and goes, but now this. Yeah. Like that, that whole experience is over and now I've got this person and it's like a... It doesn't need to be a continuous narrative. It can be like more of a collage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Collage is well put. It's kind of like these two stories back to back tell a bigger story. It's like I was I was in this slow show story and now I'm in this. I missed you for 29 years. 
comfortable relationship and it's the the juxtaposition of those together makes slow show a song about like having been f in that situation and now being in this situation and being entirely happy with my choice so i guess looking looking back at slow show it's it's quite surprising actually that we're, we're like six episodes six songs in now and this is the first actual song about love or about purely about love yeah it kind of stuck me in my tracks you know to this point we've there's been a lot about growing up um about alienation alienation with one's friends you know very much doing mistaken with strangers and in, in green gloves and yeah this is the first this is the first time that we've really like properly got deeply into into notions of love um, wow i guess you're right it's a lot about like yeah getting jobs and growing up and yeah. moving away from where you were and becoming an adult but i guess you're right this is the first one that really really smacks in the face and that i suppose brings even more importance to the fact that there is a split personality in slow show it's kind of like a here comes love and there's, there's you can you can plot exactly the moment when 29 years cuts in and that's like the resolve when those piano keys come in it's like here's the entrance of this relationship that, that sort of made everything okay yeah it's probably why it's a lot of people's favorite song um, on the album and why it tends to it does it does hit you a bit harder i guess because there's been so much kind of introspection and thought about like daily life up until this point and suddenly you get this very romantic image and it's it, it really resonates more yeah and it's it's a it's a very beautiful kind of slightly idealistic song because we don't know if it would everything would be perfect but then it, it references that and i think that going back to it that that it's so key that he put in that line about god i'm very very frightening i'll ever do it because mm. it just it just pushes it off the edge again and, and doesn't make it seem so it's not so hopelessly romantic. It's like it's, mm. there's, there's a little bit of realism in there as well. Yeah, there's there's a there's a very fine balance to most of the national songs. You know, they they always it's, it's it's very rare that they sort of dwell in one uh, one place. They they often tell a bigger picture. And uh, yeah, slow show is definitely a a, a, a song that explores a whole a whole journey. Um, I think it is a fan favorite quite regularly. If you see, if you're a real national head and you go through the the, the subreddits and the, and the forums and such, you can see when there are polls about what's your favorite national song, Slow Show is like consistently in the in the top ten. And I'm I'm talking like cross albums, not just like you know the, the top ten of box. It would be a pretty banal list, but um, the 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 fact that it occurs in quite regularly in these lists, I think it does speak to the the universality of that feeling of uh, feeling quite out of place at a party. I think it's such a universal feeling. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a very a very human thing. You know, parties parties are supposed to be fun. Why do people go to parties? They're meant to be these moments of like gleeful enjoyment. And um, I guess because you know, if, if you think about that first half of the album being so about like going to work and becoming an adult and gainful employment, and then this is that. Uh, that party night and it being a bit of a dis disappointment is, is is very apt which uh, that that reminds me of um there's this uh it's a classic line on the first arctic monkeys album on um the view from the afternoon the first line is anticipation has a habit to set you up for disappointment in evening entertainment now particularly thinking about the the, the placement of slow show within the album uh, coming after all of as you said you know there's all that talk about employment and about like um becoming an adult it's almost like that first half of the album is a, is a monday through friday working yeah, this week is the slow show is the weekend the slow show is the saturday night but yeah. it, it isn't the, the huge uh, happy time you were looking forward to it was actually filled with uh, f leaning on the wall on the wall leaning on away and feeling a little yeah. bit out of place you know yeah when yeah when you get into that frame of mind because maybe you're 
you're sick of your job or whatever it is and you do you do end up you're aware of these big releases you know we think of our like squalor victoria character and mm. he's just like he's there waiting waiting for this you know this big release where he can let the birds out of his sleeve mm. and then you you do build up so much that of course you're only going to be disappointed like it's just yeah i i think that's it's it's, it's a nice it's, it's a nice image of that if there's if there's any uh <laughs> like like we said earlier, national tales aren't ne- national songs aren't necessarily cautionary tales. But if there is anything to take from that one, it's just like, you know, not to pin too much on expecting from a night out. You know, like to to yeah. go to a party with such expectations can often be the source of feeling so anxious at one. You know, and that's I think what this character has done. But also parties are great, and let's not forget, give up on them completely. <laughs> they're they're also they, good when they're good. They're very good. I like parties. Coffee and Flowers is brought to you by Vero, a subscription-based social network which respects your privacy and doesn't sell your data to advertisers. Follow Coffee and Flowers and Vero to find and search all the songs, books, films and other things that we reference in each of the episodes. Download Vero for free on iOS and Android. Go to get.vero.co slash coffee and flowers. That's get.vero.co slash coffee and flowers. Coffee and Flowers is hosted by Christopher Hooten and David Rapson and produced by Christopher Bolson. Julian Wharton composed the theme and engineers the show at the Bison Room in London. 